Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Welcome back to the Dear Prudence show once again. And as always, I am your host, Dear Prudence, also known as Mallory Ortberg. Uh, with me in the studio today is Rachel Tibbetts, who is a listener who wanted to be on the show, who emailed me. And I said, yeah, come on the show. And I, I need to take a minute and apologize. We're recording back to back today. So the episode you all listened to last week uh, with Anna Pulley, I really ribbed her about bringing in handwritten notes, like an old timey stenographer. And then here Rachel comes in with, yet again, handwritten notes. So I take it all back. Handwritten notes are now the norm. I will expect them from all future guests. They're fabulous. I also just want to let listeners know, again, even though these podcast episodes are separated for you by a week apart, for me, they were separated by about 20 minutes. And I finally couldn't stand having run out of nicotine gum this morning. Uh, I just went out and started smoking cigarettes. <laughs> so uh, so I'm expecting you to be very relaxed and prepared. Oh, I'm something, man. So I got to, <laughs> tomorrow I'm going to have to quit again. And we're going to restart the countdown clock. Uh, I will get the hang of this. But everyone, just bear in mind that, among other things, the person giving you advice cannot fucking quit cigarettes. So feel free to ignore me all the time. I'm just going to accept you with compassion. Oh, that doesn't sound like a very good idea. Because <laughs> uh, so, shaming is so effective. I mean, look, I, I'm doing plenty of it over here. It's not good. It's not good to smoke cigarettes. I don't recommend it. But boy, oh boy, does it feel fantastic. Um that is not a recommendation, listeners. Oh no, no. Yeah, I tried. I tried cigarettes once. Didn't take. Uh, I collapsed at a musical rehearsal in high school because, oh, of course, so I bought them on my 18th birthday. Oh yeah. Oh and, wow. You like waited and did. Oh, it I, and I went legally. to the store and I did it on the birthday, oh. and then I um I had to be on an inhaler. Oh no. And I was like, these are not for me. I'm so sorry <laughs> that you had that experience. But I'm happy because I had no chance to become addicted at all. It was I just mean, like if you were doing high school theater. The odds that you were going to become a serious smoker yes. really goes up. Yes. And all of my friends in theater smoked. And so, and of course, I went and I bought camels. I bought like hard, nothing, none of this menthol flavored stuff. No, no, no. You went straight go big in. Go big or go home. Just like, what, what did Humphrey Bogart smoke? Give it to me. Pretty much. G give me the ones without the filter, you know? You got filter. <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, I didn't. Okay. I was going to say, that is hardcore. But um, yeah. That. All right. Let's stop promoting cigarettes on this show. <laughs> we don't do that. It's not good. You shouldn't. Um, let's jump right into the questions that people yeah. have about being alive, which is a very hard thing to do, to Living be alive. Very, very difficult and fraught. all the time. Some of these letters, man. Yeah, some Ooh. of these letters. All right, so the okay. first one, the subject line is, just like Dad. Dear Prudence, our father left us after a long-term affair with a family friend. It devastated our mother, and we were forced to move from our family home into a tiny apartment. The same thing later happened to me, but I was lucky enough to have found out before I married the guy. These have given me significant trust issues. Infidelity is a sign of no moral character to me, whether you're married or not. I don't think cheaters are good people. Now, my sister is one. She is sleeping in my guest room, pregnant, and mooning over her quote-unquote lover. He went back to his wife and kids. Sometimes I think she was hit in the head. She doesn't see the connection between what she did and what our father did to us or my ex did to me. These are not the same things because this is true love and I just don't understand. She isn't focusing on the fact that she's going to have a baby and has no job or help. 
Her roommates don't want her back, and right now she's living in my two-bedroom condo while I pay for everything. My sister isn't a teenager. She's 25 with a college degree. Half the time, I want to slap her because of how stupid and selfish I think she's acting. I want to scream at her that she's exactly like our former stepmother or my faithless friend. I want her to act like an adult and get ready to take care of this baby. I know I'm not being rational, but listening to her excuses and self-pity makes me want to take a shower. She's still my little sister, and I'm all that she has. Our mother has retired to Florida, and I can't expect that my father is going to do anything of worth. I'm trapped. Oh, I feel trapped. Listen to this letter, <sighs> yeah, right? She's just, there's so much. There's so the weight, the weight. <sighs> it's a big weight. And it's the she doesn't feel allowed to be angry at yeah, this. Yeah. You are allowed to be angry. <laughs> yep. It's bad. And you're allowed to have that feeling. And that's not wrong. And it's funny because this like she hasn't done anything wrong. I'm I'm putting a gender on this. I'm feeling like this is one, but the the right. right hasn't done anything wrong, and feels trapped, you know. And so I really felt like there's this. Well, I'm all she has, and she's 25. She's been through college. You you, you don't have to do this, right? She also has herself. Yeah, there's that kind of implicit. My mom and dad are here, so aren't here in in certain ways. So I'm all she has, but like she has her. Yeah. Uh, You're not her parent. Um, She's not 15. Yeah. She has herself. And she may not have a lot of close friends right now, or she may not have an extended social network, but she is not without recourse in this world. Yeah. And she needs to be there for herself pretty soon because there's going to be another self who's entirely dependent on her pretty soon. And it's like, but for the reader, I really want to focus on the reader and be like, you... You feel trapped by this situation because of the baby. Mm-hmm. That's like this whole extra complication, and you're trying to serve this baby, but you're not under an obligation. And if it's making you upset and it's putting you on the spot, and it's also abusive to like move in and just expect someone else to pay for all of the bills. It's certainly lousy. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's certainly thoughtless and selfish. And I, you know, clearly her sister is going through some kind of a crisis. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, in addition to the pain the letter writer feels because her sister is in the situation that has brought so much pain to their family and to the letter writer's own, you know, almost marriage. Yeah. There's the additional, you're not even acting like a baby is coming. Yeah. And you have no plan. And I think part of what's so hard is, like, in addition to all the swirling, this brings up feelings about our own father and my own failed marriage or almost marriage, is the sense of, when are you going to leave? Because I got to say, your sister's not going to get more self-reliant when there's a baby in the house. I can tell yeah, you that. Absolutely. And and so I sort of was just like, you know, she's overstepped your boundary. Yeah. You have a boundary about infidelity and she's overstepped it and come into your home. And so I feel like for the reader, the reader needs to... Sorry, when you say the reader, who do you mean? Sorry, the writer. Oh, oh, writer. oh okay. I'm the reader. Okay. She's the writer, not yeah, yeah, me. Yeah. Her. Um, is like, you like... You can reestablish a boundary. If she's overstepped this boundary, then what's what's your what's your your I can't even think of the word deal breaker. Yeah. Well, and and that's not to say too that like just because your sister did something that was you know selfish or unkind to a pre-existing family, and of course you know the guy is super culpable in yeah. all of this. But it's also okay for you to say, I don't approve of what my sister did. Yeah. Um, and, you know, 
beyond that, it does not necessarily mean that you are being cruel or judging or punishing her by saying, I am not going to, you know, make all these decisions for you. I'm not going to foot the bills. I'm not going to allow you to not make decisions by just deferring them all to me. Like, that's a reasonable boundary to draw. Yeah. Um, And I know you say you feel like torn between I want to slap her, but then I'm also letting her stay on my couch and letting her not make any decisions. And like, there's there's something in the middle between those two things. And that is, you know, pick a move out date. Yep. And stick to it. And and you say you want her to act like an adult, and you can give her opportunities. You can say, I need you to get a job and contribute financially. If or you're gonna frankly, stay there, or... it doesn't sound like you want her to stay there. No. And I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that she should. There are, you know, if she's going to require financial assistance, there are programs that she can apply for. Um, if she wants to look for a job, I know it's very difficult to get hired when you're pregnant, but... You know, she can tap her network of resources um, if she wants to consider uh, getting child support from this guy. Then she can do that, um, which, you know, may have the uh, unfortunate side effect of blowing up his current family situation. But this child is entitled to, you know, a good start in life. And this child is entitled to financial support from both parents. Um, That's why it's called child support and not parent of the child support like it's it's (laughs) for the child so she has options yeah absolutely Um, and you can encourage her to pursue them and if she doesn't pursue them she will get to make choices as a result of those consequences (laughs) like i promise you i think sometimes with a a family member like this who sort of has that learned helplessness of like i know if i just kind of collapse onto your couch and don't make any choices you will get so worried about me that you will do it for me you will spoon soup into my mouth that kind of person never lets themselves get into too dire straits. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, I can feel in your letter this sense of my mom's far away. My dad's no good. If I don't do this, my sister will end up in the gutter. Your sister's not going to end up in the gutter. She's got options. She's, she's got abilities. She's adept at making sure she's taken care of and that's not going to go away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's not to say, like, legally, you should find out, depending on how long she's been staying with you, she may qualify for certain tenants' rights. Yeah. And you should find out what those are. And you should let her know. Whatever, you know, however many days written notice she is entitled to in the state that you live in before she has to move out, uh, yeah, you can give it to her. Uh, I'm sure there will be a contingent of people who will say something like, how could you throw a pregnant woman out into the streets? She's and banking so, on that. You know, it, it, it may also be that you are willing to wait. You know, you are willing to give her like six months uh, or something along those lines. Um, that's totally your call. Yeah. Um, give her enough time to make alternate arrangements, certainly, but that's not your problem. Like, if you died tomorrow, she would have to figure all of these things out. Yeah. And you did not commit to raising a child with your sister. <laughs> so this is not on you that she has no plan. Yeah. And that's, yeah. So. Yeah, I know this is hard. This is a hard situation. Um, I don't think that you should slap your sister. Uh, I, I don't think that you should say, you know... This is the culmination of everyone who's ever hurt me in your life. Yeah. I think you can just say, I really wish you hadn't gotten involved with this guy. Now that the baby is coming, I really encourage you to get a plan. And I wish you the absolute best of luck. But your plan can't be that I take care of everything. Yeah. That's not going to happen. That's not going to work for me, and I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Um, and that's going to, it sounds like, be really difficult because it sounds like she is just planning on doing this indefinitely. Yeah. Um, and the whole, he's gone back to his wife and kids, 
But she's still saying it's true love. Feels like either she's not accepting the reality right. or she's deflecting. Right. And, and whatever that is, I just don't think it's going to be useful for you to get drawn into a conversation about whether or not that relationship is a good one for her. Like, don't litigate that with her. Yeah. It's just not important. Yeah. Um, you two do not see eye to eye on it. And you are not going to be able to convince her that this guy is not interested in committing and being honest and responsible towards her. Because I, I don't know what clearer signal you can give someone than getting them pregnant and then going back to your wife and other children yeah. of like, this is not a good guy. Yeah. And you can divorce it totally. You can just be like, I just I just can't have you here regardless. Right. Yeah. And you can just absolutely say you can file for child support. You are legally entitled to it. Do what you got to do. But find your limit, uh, you know, and whatever you feel like, okay, I can't do this because she's my sister. I cannot just give her 30 days notice and throw her out completely. I understand that. I do. I really do. And so I would say uh, figure out what's the longest amount of time you're willing to let her live in your home. And then do that because I promise you she is not going to come to you and say, thank you so much. I have found an apartment. Really appreciated the time that you gave me. Um yeah. It's all set up. I have a nursery and everything. I'm moving out. Um, it's going to have to come from you. Yeah. And she's going to fight it. Yeah. And, I'm, and she's going to lean on a and lot And she's of... going to guilt you. <gasps> yeah. And she's going to use the fact that she's pregnant yeah. and the fact that, you know, you have always babied her, it sounds like, um, as a reason for why you should continue to act like her mom. Um, and that's You're not her not mom. Problem. You're not. And, like, adults have unexpected pregnancies all the time. And they get in really confusing and painful emotional and financial situations. And there are options and help. And, you know, you 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 both have options that are not just let this go on forever. And if you need support with your boundary, like reach out to support yourself and your yeah. decision. Yeah. If you need someone to hold your hand while you say this to her, yeah. get that. Absolutely. You know, you say that you're trapped and it's just, I, I, I feel a lot of sympathy for you. That sounds really, really awful. Yeah. Um, and, and I just want you to know, you are not. You nope. are not responsible for your sister's well-being. It is not cruel of you to say you cannot live with me forever. <laughs> um, it is not cruel of you to say I'm not going to co-parent your child with you. Like, that's just... That's actually a perfectly reasonable thing to say to a sibling. Totally. Woo! Okay, okay. so just more sibling. Oh, God, so many family dynamics today. I actually made a note that there was a lot of um, family dynamics and yeah. emotional yeah. scarcity problems. Yes! Okay, so go ahead and take <laughs> this next letter. Me. Oh, my God, this is called Subject House. Dear Prudence, I am the only one of my siblings who did not depend on my parents to pay for my adult years. The Army funded my college. I haven't been married or have children yet. My siblings got their education paid for by my parents. My sister got over 15 grand for her wedding. My parents bought my brother a van when my niece was born and let his family and him live rent-free with them for six years. I am not jealous. I love my siblings and my nieces and do not begrudge them any help my parents have to offer them. Only they don't want to extend the same courtesy to me. I am finally ready to settle down and stop renting, but house prices have skyrocketed in the area I live in. I asked my parents for help with the down payment. It was enough that I will be able to pay off my mortgage in 10 years. Only now, both my siblings will not stop going on how my parents bought me a house or complain about how they wish they could move. I have joked with them, asked them to stop, and finally pointed out that they both got a lot more financial assistance from our parents than I ever did. My brother snapped that our parents were glad to help him out, and I pointed out that they were also glad to help me. He apologized, but things are still cool between us. My sister has doubled down to the point of being ridiculous. The house is a sign of my being the favorite. 
I point she got 15 grand for her one-day event, and that doesn't count because it's traditional, and I am jealous. My parents have told us all in so many words, grow up, figure it out, and they are going to be spending Christmas in Hawaii this year. Bless your parents. (laughs) Good for them. (laughs) Right? I hope they have a great time in Hawaii. Right? The first, like, oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, it's just always such a brutal reminder, letters like this, that, like, you can be so generous to your kids. And they will all still find a way to keep score and squabble and work out their jealousies and grudges with each other yep. based on everyone's gift. Well, here's what's killing me. They're not mad at the parents. Right? The parents made these financial decisions, not your sibling. Yeah. And yet, why are you mad at the sibling? Why would you bring it? Why not bring it up to the parents? I mean, to be clear, you mean the siblings who are mad at the letter writer. Exactly. We're not, we're not mad at you, letter no, writer. No, no. You... We got your back, letter writer. Yeah. We're on you your haven't, side. And... This idea of just like, oh, you're the favorite. And part of me is like, well, if you're the favorite now, is someone thinking they were the favorite before? Is there some sort of like, I feel like they don't love me the same because I'm keeping score kind of thing? I got to say, I feel like the dynamic that I read here is one that I've seen sometimes, which is sometimes the most self-reliant sibling. Actually, the other siblings all really resent because they feel an implicit comparison and they feel a form of guilt about all the help they've received, but they don't like to think of themselves as not self-reliant. So they find reasons or excuses why the gifts they've received doesn't count. And then if anything good or, or you know, extra or spontaneous or generous happens to the really self-reliant sibling, they all seize upon that. Yeah. And be like, oh, look at what you got. You got that thing. And so that was somehow undeserved or somehow extra. Yeah. No. But it's I find it odd that it's not against the parents that that they're not talking about the parental decision because it was that's obviously what is their money yeah they can give it to whom they choose at, at the time that they choose and there's also nothing here saying that like if these other siblings chose to buy a house that they would not necessarily receive financial assistance yeah i i gotta say i think your way forward with this one is just you know you've already kind of had it out with your brother i think which was just all your siblings if they bring it up say you know what if it bothers you talk to mom and dad i'm done yep yep it's over it happened. I'm really grateful that I get to live in a house. I do not want to discuss this again, and I won't. Yep. And you got to hold that, right? Like, and, and that's the sort of thing where you just make it really clear. We're not re-arguing this. Op- we're not reopening this argument again. And if they do, you just get to say, I told you I'm not going to talk about it. I'm willing to talk about anything else with you. But if you can't let this go, I'm going to walk yep. away. That's what I had. I had. They bring it up. I'm not. I'm not engaging on this topic. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah, follow, frankly, follow your parents' lead on this one. Like, they've got a pretty solid approach, which is just like, let it go, friends. Yeah. Yeah. The, the deed is done. We're all doing fine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's not all like... of you have families and homes and jobs and something in your life that's valuable. You all seem stable and well. It's like, what are you, who is suffering here? Yeah. What's, who's, who doesn't have enough right now? And, and nothing's been taken from anyone. Right. It's, it's this, the, it's emotion. It, there's yeah. a lot of emotion, obviously. No, it's for just the like that little kid thing of, oh, you have something. I have to have the equal thing now. It's like, no, you don't. You're fine. Everything's good. No yeah. one is, it doesn't sound like anyone's any straight. They'd say, I'd like to move, but not, I'm being evicted or I'm having financial trouble or, yeah. 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 So I I would say tell your parents to have a fabulous time in Hawaii, that you're still extremely grateful for the financial help they gave you with your house and do something fun that you think you would enjoy for Christmas. Yeah. And tell your siblings, I love you and knock it off. 
And if they don't knock it off, take a lot of space. Yep. Just, just disengage, walk away, be like, I'm not. Yep. I hope you figure out a way to work this out, friend. And if you need to talk to mom and dad about it, I wish you the best. But you and I are done talking about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Um, spite is not a good look. It's not on anybody. And uh, keeping score in emotional relationships and uh, families is not a good look. No, especially when it's just like, these are such lucky kids. Like, exactly. that their parents were able to drop 15 grand on a wedding? Are you kidding? That they were able to turn a 30-year mortgage into a 10-year mortgage? Right. This is a very materially lucky family. Yeah, and I think about the parents that they... They're being generous. They're doing the thing. They're doing so much. And seeing that their children are I hope your parents stop spending money on, frankly, all of you. Like, just, (laughs) I hope they just start. They are. They're going away. Yeah, yeah. Good for them. Like, I hope they just enjoy their retirement. Next year, Aruba, man. And, man, congratulations on you for just, like, you know, being able to have a really self-sufficient life. It sounds like that's been meaningful to you and it's meant a lot to you and that's great. Um, And I hope that your siblings can stop acting like you're all, you know, eight years old fighting over who's got the, like, red cup today or whatever. Yeah. Um, Just be happy for each you other. Guys, yeah. You guys are doing really well. Let it, like, And there's not even, like, oh, someone's clearly the favorite and beginning a ton. Like, everybody's gotten something It's meaningful. one of those things where everyone has so much, but they're acting like they're threatened or yeah. about to have something taken away from them. And I just have a hard time relating to that. Everybody take a deep breath. You're doing great. Yeah. Letter writer. Sorry. A You're lot of fine. that was addressed at your siblings, not not you yeah. uh, as well, because it doesn't sound like you've been participating in that same thing so much. Um, but yeah, man, I, I just cannot imagine being at a point in my life where someone would say, you know, your parents gave you $15,000 for something. And my response being, it doesn't count. Because it's traditional. Like, it. I don't know what neighborhood you grew up in. But it is not traditional for parents to just hand out $15,000 on your wedding day. Yeah, that's that's a chunk of change. That for is... a day? Ooh. Yeah. I mean, I encourage her to re-examine the orientation of her heart. And just if yeah. you ever find yourself saying $15,000 doesn't count, don't do that. That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> You're mistaken. It does. <laughs> Take a step back and look at the entire world and realize exactly how much it counts. It and... is a lot of money. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Oh, man. All right. So, again, in keeping with today's theme, which is siblings being the worst for no good reason. This next one, these people, this one person. This one person. This one person is, I'm just like. Frankly, it makes me think so fondly of the siblings of the last letter. I actually want to go back and be like, you know what? You guys are fine, honestly, because in comparison, (laughs) they look like gems. All y'all fighting about is money. This is. This is dark. All right, so the subject line of this letter is just, Still a son. Dear Prudence, our eldest daughter died a decade ago. Her husband Greg had no other family and loved my daughter with all his heart. I consider him my son in all but blood. He has come to every holiday, major event, and vacation that we've had as a family. My grandchildren all call him uncle, and I thought that my remaining children thought of him as family. Well, Greg is now engaged to a lovely girl with a daughter of her own. Greg introduced her to my husband and me. He wanted our blessing and asked us to be in the wedding. His fiancée is a delight, and she's made a genuine effort to get to know us and include us. My children are another story. My daughter said it was odd and uncomfortable to have Greg and his new love involved in our lives now. I told her she was very small-souled. Maybe in the future Greg will drift away from us, but I told her that under no certain— but I told her that in no uncertain terms it would not be on our end. I asked if she wanted the same for her husband and stepsons if she died. 
and my daughter got upset and told me that it wasn't the same thing at all. My boys are very welcoming and happy for Greg. My daughter remains distant. I invited Greg and his fiancée to spend part of the holidays with us. I am concerned about a rift forming, and I don't know if I should do anything. Should I speak to my daughter again or warn Greg? Leave things alone? I, listeners, really wish that you could have seen my face when I got to the line about how it was odd and uncomfortable that Greg is engaged because I looked directly at a camera that does not exist, as if I were Jim on The Office, (laughs) and I just needed to make a face. I was Jim on The Office for this whole letter. What the hell? Greg sounds amazing. It has been a decade. Your daughter died. This guy's been family for more than a decade. Yeah. Every family event, every holiday, your grandchildren call him uncle. He asked for your blessing getting remarried because of the memory of... Odd? Odd? What's odd about wanting to find love a decade after losing your spouse? And also that, like, and the fiancé's in it. It's not like his fiancé is uncomfortable. Like, she's, like, more family... she's delighted. She's not trying to drive a wedge between any of you. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm... Baffled. Straight up, my first thought was like, okay, is your daughter in love with Greg? Is that Does it? she have some sort of uncomfortable static with Greg? Yeah, my I thought. Like my, my first read, and this is totally out of left field, but my first thought was she is kind of in love with Greg and sort of thought, you know, if she wasn't willing to like have an affair with him, she at least felt like, well, as long as he's always sort of publicly a widower, you know, no one else will try to take him away from our family and I can have him in this weird way. I seriously do not know what is going on in your daughter's mind. But that is the like likeliest explanation is that she wants Greg. Yeah. Which is not a great explanation. No. And you can't keep him on hold because you're married. That's weird. Yeah. No. So, I no, just, no, no, um, no. Definitely speak to your daughter again. Yes. And, you know, you've already made it clear that you think her reaction is bad. Um, and I think that that's great. And you just need to set expectations of just like, here's the deal. Greg's family. He has found love. I'm so thrilled for him. If you cannot be civil to him and his fiance, do what you have to do to get your shit in order. Yep. Like if you need to step outside and compose yourself and then come back and fake a smile, I need you to do that. And if you can't do that, don't come. Exactly. Because the cruelty of coming to Christmas and making it clear that you don't think he deserves happiness that it makes you uncomfortable that he's found someone to love and wants to marry a decade after being widowed. And her idea of saying it's, it would be different if it was my husband and son. Right. For well, some reason, if I died, it would be okay for my husband to someday remarry, but not for Greg because he's not really family. He's your son's uncle. He's been their uncle yeah. putatively along. Yeah. yeah, I would just say, like, I don't know what's going yeah. on with you. I'm not impressed with it. It does not give me a lot of respect for the choices that you're making right now. I really hope you get over this. Yeah. I really hope you do. Because right now, all you're doing is robbing yourself of some joy. Yep. And that is a shame. So here's the deal. You don't have to like it. You can feel weird on your own time. I encourage you to talk about it in therapy or do whatever you have to do. You need to be polite. Yep. And if you can't do that, don't come. That's it. I'm kind of, I'm in total agreement. But I literally wrote, tell her you don't have to like it, but be polite. Yeah. Um. Yeah, maybe reserve the don't come for if she's yes. really pushing back. And you can say, sense. I am noticing static. You are making this uncomfortable. Yep. And no, you... that's a really good point. You do want to leave the, like, you know, yeah. get with the program or get out for at least your second You or don't want to be like, it's, it's, it's Greg or the highway right. kind of thing. Right. But the other thing is the warn Greg. And I don't think, if no. Greg says something to you about, like, have you noticed Denise being a little weird? Right. 
maybe elided. I don't know. I don't think you need to let him know. I feel the same way. It's just don't bring that in. He sounds lovely. He is part of your family. Mm-hmm. He is he is your son-in-law. And you, yeah, so don't because then he'll feel weird and you don't want him to feel weird or uncomfortable. So just I would I would let it go. But if he says something, I would be like, oh, really? And then go have a word with her. Right. No, and that's the thing, too. You say your children are another story, but you say that your boys are all thrilled. It's only your daughter. Um, yeah. And the only other thing I could think is if, if, if the daughter had had a specific bad interaction, but if she has a specific complaint, she should bring it up. Yeah. And that's the thing is there's just, yeah, I, I, I don't see any grounds for that in the letter. I don't know what it is. But yeah, I think to just say, I don't understand your reaction. It's genuinely baffling to me. I'm so happy for Greg. I want you to be able to get happy for him, too. And I hope that you can get there in time. But in the meantime, you do need to be polite. And then you were wise, I think, to remove my or get out of my house. I'm just really (laughs) mad at her. Like, I just it's just so unreasonable and strange. You are the odd and uncomfortable one. Like, of, of course, it's horrible that your sister died. And it's always sad to see people moving on. But it's also like if her parents are excited for him. Who who are you to not be? Right. And just like who expects like life is really hard and losing someone you love is incredibly painful. And the idea that somebody should just spend the rest of their life as like a public figure of mourning. That's a lot to ask of yeah. somebody. And that's not to say that some people don't want to. Not everybody wants to get remarried after a loss. And I get that. But if somebody yeah. finds it. And how could you personally, I've had I've been in the situation where we had a family member who died mm-hmm. and their partner. We begged them. Yeah. Don't drift away. Yeah. And they did. And it was just heartbreaking mm. because they were family. Yeah. And so to me, I'm just like, no, come back. No, you got him. <laughs> like, like, you got great. They are family. Like, right. the family is shared experience. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think gently encourage your daughter to see a therapist or figure this stuff out. But just say, like, the expectation for the holidays is that you need to be polite. Yep. And at least fake some excitement for them. Yep. I think you can do that. You don't have to be best friends. You don't have to, you know. Yeah. Be polite. Yeah. I'm just really sorry. And I, I, I hope that your daughter can get a grip on this before Greg realizes what's going on. Because that would just be so painful yeah. for Greg to know. Yeah. Just, that's why I don't want you to warn him. I don't want him to have an inkling of this. I want it to pass. I do, too. I hope that it does. Peace oh, boy. So, flip oh. side of the coin in terms of just, like, moving Ooh. on right quick. Oh, I had words for this oh, person. Oh, <laughs> very excited. All right. T- read the letter and then give me all of your unvarnished thoughts. Subject, my ex is getting remarried weeks after our divorce. What do I tell the kids? Dear Prudence, my ex-husband, my ex-husband Roger and I will be officially divorced in a month, although our marriage has been over for almost a year. In six weeks, Roger plans on marrying his mistress and true love, Natalie. We have three young children, ages eight, five, and four. Roger is eager for Natalie to meet them, and he obviously wants our kids at the wedding. I've done a lot of the emotional heavy lifting since Roger left because he prefers to keep his time with them fun and exciting. Mm. Oh, man. (laughs) I don't normally interrupt letters, but I had to make that sound. I'm unsure how to prepare my children for their father's remarriage when they're just coming to terms with our divorce. I don't want my children to see my bitterness towards their dad and know how it's killing me that I have to share them with Natalie. I read your column enough to know I should be thankful for a stepmother who wants the kids around. But if I leave Roger to talk to them about his marriage to Natalie, it's entirely possible he won't. My parents and friends think I should keep the children from the wedding, but that could get ugly real fast. And in the end, they'll have to face their dad's new family. What should I do? Oh, Roger. Oh, Roger. So, Can you do me a favor, letter writer? Just give me five minutes on the phone with Roger. (laughs) Just five minutes on the phone. (laughs) Private. 
No one else needs to know what the two of us talk about. I would, I would really appreciate that. I would consider it a personal favor. Oh, man. Roger, what the hell, man? Stop carrying Roger's water. <sighs> he prefers to keep his time with them fun and exciting, a.k.a. he makes you do all the emotional labor of dealing with the divorce. And all the parenting. So that he can be fun He's weekend the dad. fun parent, and you're the one who makes him do their homework and eat their Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts are delicious, so that's a good thing. Um, whatever you need. Whatever oh, you my need. word. So I am, like, so proud of you, letter writer, being like, I'm trying not to show my bitterness. I'm trying to appreciate this woman who wants my children in their life. Right. Like, you are doing so much work. Right. Roger needs to work now. And that, I think, yes, they should go to their father's wedding. Yep. Um. And this is Roger's job to get them ready. If you've done all the other stuff, this is his job. Um, because he can't, you can't take this load forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really, I actually wrote down, um, you can make a plan for this. You can sit down with Roger and Natalie and look at them mm-hmm. and be like, you're a unit. You're the ones getting married. You make a plan for how you're going to deal with this. Right. And if you need a therapist there to help you all figure this out. Right. But you get Some, to be the mediator who helps yeah. with your custody agreement. Lots of people get those. Exactly. Um, and, and to be like, you know, this is how this is a way to broach it. If you don't know how to figure out how to talk about it, get a professional to help you figure out how to talk about it. Yeah. But this idea that um, how he prefers his time to be with his children, that mm-hmm. would be nice if I, time, I could prefer my time with my children to always be fun. Sure. Who among us would not? Yeah. So, no, I just. The fact is that he's getting married in six weeks. Yeah. And his kids haven't met his new, his fiance yet? Right? Huh? Yeah. What is... And I think the tricky thing for you, letter writer, is going to be, I think your instincts to not unload any of your quite justifiable bitterness and frustration with Roger on your kids is a really good one. Because even though a lot of the stuff that he has done is just straight up awful, it does not help your kids to hear their mom say those things about their dad. Yeah. Um, So on that side, I commend you. On the other hand... I do not think that it is going to be helpful for you to try to make up for Roger's obvious shortcomings as a co-parent. I think you can do the best you can with your own kids. Mm -hmm. And when there's stuff that you see him dropping the ball on, because you love your kids, because you're a good parent, you're going to be tempted to run and dive and pick up those balls and juggle them. And, And I think that you should be very judicious about the ways in which you try to shield your children from their father's limitations. Absolutely. Because I don't think that you're going to be able... I, I think that's a superhuman task, frankly. And your kids are just going to figure their dad out more and more. Yep. Um, so obviously there's going to be certain things that I, I can understand why you would want to protect them from. But, uh, you know, if you communicate, w- whether with a media- mediator present or not, um, to Roger and Natalie, like, if you guys need the children with you on the day of your wedding... I will make sure to drop them off at wherever you need them. Beyond that, it's up to you. I will not be in attendance. Yep. So I encourage you to come up with a plan. Yep. Um, but don't try to help them with their plan. Um, don't try to fix the plan. Um, when If the plan is a bad plan or fails, that is Roger and Natalie's opportunity to step in right. and, and adapt. But, yeah, it's, it's hard because I read a lot of things about people seeing their ex co-parent ex-partner co-parent fail and the the impact on the children but knowing that understanding who their parents are is important for right. the children right and the best thing you can do for your children is to be the best possible mom for them 
But you can't be both their mom and half their dad of, like, making up wherever he falls short. Um, So I think, you know, not sharing those frustrations with them is important. But it's also important, like, to have a therapist that you can see for some time a week where you get to fall apart and be really angry. Exactly. Because you you do have this bitterness and you do have these feelings. I have it. (laughs) And I just read about it. I want to scream about Roger. I I do not like him. And I have some questions about Natalie's judgment. Mm-hmm. But that, yeah, you are absolutely entitled to emotional support for you, not for your children, for you at this time, like your personal oxygen mask to get these feelings out, to process them, to understand that they're normal and they're a normal, healthy brain reaction. And um, and that, yeah, you don't you don't have to do his job for him because you're you're worried about your kids not getting the best. Yeah. And I would this really seems like a situation where having a mediator to help you with your child care or your 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 child custody agreement I think that will be so helpful. Yes. Because it sounds like you two have not been able to come to a mutually satisfactory arrangement. It sounds like he's been able to take advantage of you and you're terrified at the thought of ceding control. Yeah. And that's not a good situation for either of you guys. And I think if you just go in with the clear goal of I would like to be civil And I would like Mm -hmm. to be able to coordinate our respective schedules and to have a general sense of what the other one is doing. That's it. That's my goal for a co-parenting relationship. There it goes. Is not active hostility. And I don't try to do too much to make up for his limitations. And I think those are very reasonable goals. And you should not go in with the goal of, I need to become friendly with Natalie someday. I need to think well of the two of them. You do not have to do that at all. You can can appreciate Natalie's... Um, care for your children without having to make her into your BFF. And I'm just so sorry. Like, I cannot imagine the kind of pain that must arise from not only the loss of your own marriage, which it sounds like you're pretty resigned to at this point, but this revelation that your husband is so thoughtless about his own children that he is marrying a woman in six weeks that he has not bothered to introduce them to. He's only going to have been legally divorced for two weeks. And that, like, he thinks they're going to have a good time. It's, I'm just... What the hell, man? ...is going on here. And, and you know, she caveats, oh, you know, our marriage has been over for almost a year. Well, in that almost a year, he hasn't broached the subject. Right, and, like, uh, yeah, yeah, that they just haven't... hasn't come up. He's just spending all his time separately. He sees his kids and they get like Bobo once a week. And and then it's back to, you know, true love's tower with Natalie. I find it fascinating that she does in parentheses adds his mistress and true love. Yeah, you are really working to explain why it's kind of okay that he did this. Now, Natalie, she's not bad. And well, he loves her. And it's like, you don't stay on the way of true love. You don't have to seed that. Yeah. It's just that's that's who he's with now. Yep. Yeah. She doesn't have to be anything other than that's his new wife. You don't have to worry about whether or not true love or soulmates is a thing or I'm sure it might in some ways feel better like, oh, well, they're true loves and obviously it's messy, but you can't stand in the way. Like, it just sucks. What he yeah. did and is doing sucks. Yeah. And all you can do is like suckiness mitigation right now. And, you know, yeah. And she, to a certain extent, also has some suckiness because she engaged in an affair with a married person. Like, Yeah. Although, I mean... Roger is just so clearly like the yeah. man of the hour Roger. here. I'm not too I'm not too mad at yeah. Natalie, although yeah, if Natalie wrote to me, I would have some questions about like, what is this guy's character as he is revealing it to you? Like We're getting married in six weeks and I haven't met his three kids yet. Yeah. Uh cool. Oh, oh huh. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, on, on the last point of like 
my parents and friends think I should keep the children from the wedding. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't, Don't listen do to that. them. Nope. Uh, your parents and friends, uh, part of their job when you go through a divorce like this is to hate the motherfucker who hurt you. Exactly. And that can be really nice and therapeutic in small doses uh, when you are, like, having a cry session on the couch. Exactly. But when it comes to parenting your children, don't take that into account. Yep. That's that bitterness you're trying to keep away from them. Yep. That Follow that instinct. Yep. Send them, spit on their cowlick. Make them look good. And... Oh, I thought you meant like spit on Roger's thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, ah, that like, feels like well, not. You gotta, you gotta fix that that flyaway. Yep, and, and and that's gonna be a hard line to walk between like not lying to your children in order to make their dad look like a better person, um, but also seeing them be disappointed in their dad is gonna be really hard. And oh. the best thing you can do, I think, is to be a really good mother. Like if they say, "I don't understand why we haven't met Natalie." Oh, God, that's just such a painful conversation. Do they even know Natalie exists? I don't. Like, that's part of what scares me. Do they know their dad's getting married I don't think they do. Because, but if it it, leave him to talk to them about his marriage, like. I I, I just can't imagine. Yeah. Roger, you need to call me. We want to hear your side here, Roger. Oh, I don't want to hear shit from you, Roger. (laughs) I want to tell you some stuff. Uh, There is not a this is not like a Mister Darcy situation where he's gonna be like, "By the way, Mister Wickham secretly tried to take advantage of my sister," or whatever. There's not a version of events where he looks good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Roger, you owe me a phone call, guy. Seriously, you're Um, gonna need to take it. Um, but yeah, right. good luck. I'm so sorry. This is such a hard, complicated situation. Um, I, I would say my, my my primary points are: you deserve a therapist. Absolutely. Um, you should get a mediator to help you guys hammer out the details of your childcare agreement. And and saying things like he prefers to keep his time with them fun and exciting. Don't say things like that on his behalf anymore. Mm-mm. I get it. I get that you're trying to make the best of a really bad situation. Um, I think a better thing to say is that doesn't work for me. Here's what does. Yep. Like when he tries to say things like, oh, I'd sure rather play tennis on Thursdays than pick up the kids from school. Well, I mean, that doesn't work for me. Yeah, it doesn't work for me. I prefer if you broach the subject of our parents divorcing to our children. No. Right. right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's he prefers to keep things fun and exciting because he prefers not to really parent his children. Yeah. And that's really sad. And I hope that he snaps out of it or gets better. I assume he did not always used to be this emotionally absent a father. But maybe, frankly, maybe he did. Maybe maybe yeah. he has always been this way. I don't know. But Ugh. I'm really glad that you don't have to stay married to this guy. I was thinking you're well shut of him. Man. Just, whew. Roger. <laughs> so the subject line of this next letter is... Outgrowing violence. Dear Prudence, my brother was violent all while we were growing up, both to me and to others. He said that we angered him by disagreeing with him or by being weak. My parents blamed my siblings. He hasn't hit me in a few years since I now try to only see him with other people around. My concern is for his fiance. She's a nice girl, and I've never seen him behave this way to her, but I don't trust him. Do people outgrow violent behavior? <sighs> Oh, I'm so sorry. Letter I am writer. just, the, my first line I wrote down on my notes, my copious notes was, I am so sorry. Yeah. Um, my first answer is no, you don't outgrow violence. You can outwork it. If you decide that you are being violent is a problem, right? you can pursue the work it takes on yourself to stop doing it. But it's not like teenage acne. No, it's not something that in the regular course of events will fall away and reveal your new hair color or whatever. It's, right. If he doesn't think being violent is a problem, 
he's not going to stop being violent. Right. And it's also not like, in, uh, obviously, as everyone grows up, they figure out things like empathy and limits and boundaries. And hopefully, ideally, as someone grows up, they become a more thoughtful, compassionate person. Yeah. But it is not natural or inherent to being a child or a teenager or a young person and to just be violent all the time. Especially yeah. not to justify it by saying you were being weak. weak. I mean, that's not just violence. That's predation. Yeah, that's... That's dark. Ooh, that that really hit me when we disagreed or by being weak. And my parents blame my siblings. So I'm just right. nightmare scenario. No, that's just awful. And I'm so sorry both for your brother's primary abuse and then for your parents' secondary abuse. Yeah, absolutely. Just saying the problem is not the person who is being violent. When the answer is always the problem is the person who is it's, being violent. Yes. So, but then you said something uh, that was really key. I've never seen him behave this way to her. And he hasn't hit me since I'm only with him around other people. Right. This is a person who knows how to get away with it. And, and I think this is, like, letter writer, I think you know. I think you already know the answer to your own question. And that's why you included those details. I think you want so much to believe that he's outgrown it. Yeah. Because you want to think of this girl as safe. And you don't want to, you're afraid of him, and rightly so. Yeah. But I think you know. The reason he has not hit you in a couple of years is be precisely because you make sure to always surround yourself with other people. And the only reason you don't see him hit his fiance is because he's gotten better at hiding it. Yep. He, That's the likeliest response. Yep. And so it's if he hasn't yet. It's coming. It's coming. But the other thing I want to say to you is that. And this feels really hard. This doesn't have to be your job. Right. This often comes up when it comes to um, somebody who is violent or who commits assault. Um, people who have been victimized by that person. Other po other folks will sometimes say it is incumbent upon you to either file charges or tell other people. And if you do not do it, it is your fault if they go on to commit more violence. And I cannot tell you how strongly I oppose that way of thinking. It is the only person's fault if your brother commits future acts of violence is your brother. There it is. It's, Full stop. And and so you have this idea that if he hits her, somehow it will be your fault or somehow you could prevent it. Um, and I think that that's a very small possibility. Um, and I, I actually... So my concern is for the letter writer's safety, mm -hmm. that this is a person who has hurt you. Yes. That you already are taking steps to secure your safety around this person, and you do not have to put yourself in danger. And you already know that you have a family that will enable him. Exactly. Um, and that it's very likely that if he hasn't abused his fiance, that there's nothing you can say to her. I'll, I'll, put, a, I'll put a plug in for it, just in the sense of um, if any part of you feels like I want to tell her, come what may, I'm putting in a plug. Yeah. Just for your own peace of mind, if that feels like something you would like to do, it would absolutely be okay for you to say, my brother was incredibly violent to me, not only when we were children, but also when we were teenagers and young adults. The only reason that he has stopped is because I make sure to see him when other people are around. He has never apologized, and I fear for your safety. Yep. And to leave it at that, and to know that she may very well not listen to you. Um, he may, uh, you know, not have shown her that side of him yet. Um, she may already be in such fear of him that she, yeah, you know, doesn't know how to respond. But if you want to say that, you absolutely have the right to. Yeah. 
And I just want I want that to be clear. You so have the right to speak your truth. Um, and I, I think primarily your focus should be getting away from your family, even though you only see him a few times. You know, I actually don't say how often you see him. Yeah. Um, but like you try to only see him with other people around. Frankly, if you don't want to see your brother, don't see your brother. Yeah. And if you don't want to see the rest of your family, don't see them. They do not care about your well-being. They're not. That's so hard to hear because you want to believe that your family loves you and wants to be well. But your parents saw you get physically assaulted repeatedly as a child. And their response was, it's your fault. It's your fault. And that's awful. And that warps your sense of self-preservation and your sense of self-worth because you think, I must not be a person worth defending. Yeah. And you are. You so are. So if nothing else, I really encourage you to see a therapist who can help you acknowledge how much better you deserve to be treated by people who claim to love you. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you can you can make yourself available to help this person yeah. and let her know I am available to help you. Well, and not even like you would be responsible for getting her out, but just to say, yeah. I encourage you to, you know, leave. Yeah. And I hope you do. Because I just got to tell you, letter writer, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Rachel, about you can outwork violence, but you can't outgrow it. Here's what it doesn't look like. The passage of time and nothing else. Yep. It does not look like no apology no public acknowledgement of past crimes committed, no consequences, no attempt to make meaningful amends or to change the trajectory of one's life or to do meaningful reparative work in similar affected communities. It does not look like, well, my brother stopped hitting me because I started seeing him in public and now he's getting married. Like nothing yeah. about that is a meaningful response to violence. He has not changed trajectory. He yeah. is going in the exact same direction he's always gone in. Yeah. This looks like either hiding or non-engagement. And neither of those things are the same thing as meaningfully reckoning with your violent yeah. past. It's also a killer. You say, she's a nice girl. I bet he looks for those. Yep. I bet he looks really hard for nice girls. Nice girls who don't rock the boat and don't question and, things. And who, if and when he gets violent, would think... I don't understand. Surely, if I could just help him understand how scary that was, he wouldn't do it again. Or if I was nicer, he wouldn't do that. It's Nope. Ugh. Your brother is still violent. He does not yet believe that he has done anything wrong. And he is not interested in changing or in, you know, trying to make in some ways right the things that he did wrong. Yeah. He's... Get away from your family in whatever degree you feel comfortable. Um, yeah. Know that if you want to warn her, you absolutely can. It is not incumbent upon you to keep him from preventing future acts of violence. That is on him. Look out for yourself. You deserve it. Yeah, absolutely. I want to hug you. I do too. Oh, man. All right. So this last one is, uh, I kind of feel like this is like early stage Roger, actually, this that we're is, looking at. Oh, this is this early is, stage this Roger. This is more of the sort of like husband who just wants to keep things light. You know? Yeah. I just want to have fun. I just want to have a good time. I'm just busy. I'm busy. And it just makes more sense for all of the work to fall on you because oh. your career was never as important as mine. And then weird how that kind of just picks up steam. And then your career never becomes the priority in our marriage because we picked mine as the one that mattered 10 years ago. Yep. And so now you're just stuck. Well, now you make less than me, so... Your schedule's already more flexible because my job was more important. So let's keep making mine more important and constantly downgrade yours. And then 
when I inevitably leave you, you won't be able to support yourself. Or like when you inevitably leave me, when yes. the kids are out of the house, and I'm like, what? I thought we were a team. <laughs> All right, let's read it. All the right, proto Roger. Let's yeah. see if we can prevent a Roger from happening. Oh, I would love that. We're gonna save you, baby Roger. <laughs> <laughs> Subject: Is it fair to ask my busy husband to do more? Dear Prudence, my husband and I both work full time and are raising a five year old girl. I'm running into the issue where it's always assumed that I will take off work for whatever home kid emergency pops up. Meet the plumber or electrician, daughter is sick, parent-teacher conference. No matter the situation, I'm always the one who takes off work to handle it. I admittedly have a more flexible schedule. He's at the executive level while I'm middle management who runs a small office. But I know his bosses have always encouraged him to take time off and never had a problem when he does take time. Is it fair to ask that he step up even though he's busier and it's relatively easy for me to take the time? I'm just tired of taking care of everything, and I actually do have a job to do, and I'm worried my bosses will eventually get mad at me always taking time off. But when I've brought it up before, he points out to schedule packed with meetings and projects saying he doesn't have a choice. This okay, is baby Roger. such insidious bullshit. Ooh, the second shift. Hey, hey. <laughs> tell us about the second shift, the second won't you? shift, I am a full-time, I work full-time in an office, and my husband is a stay-at-home dad. And I, the second shift is when you're a full-time mom, and you go home, and you still have the lion's share, or the lioness's share, nice. of the homework, of the dishes, of the kid stuff, of the laundry, of all of that domestic work. And so... But honey, I thought you liked doing those things. Mm, nobody likes doing those things. I like not having piles of dirty laundry. Um, not to say that I work the second shift, but I know what it is. Um, is it fair? And uh, he doesn't have a choice. Mm. Mm, yes, you do. You always have a choice. And if he is bothering to tell you, my bosses encourage me to take time off, and then he doesn't do that, like, that's contradictory. You know, but yeah, it, yeah. you need no, to and, ask. And not only are you saying you know his bosses encourage him to take more time off, you also are aware that you're close to a point where your bosses are going to notice how much time you're taking off. Exactly. Like, literally, the message he is getting at work is, it's okay, take time to take care of your children. And you are very close to getting in trouble at work because you say you... you Letter writer, you already, like, downgrade your own job to us so much in this letter. Like, admittedly, my schedule is more flexible. Our office is small. I'm just middle management. But, like, you're running the office. Like, you're, yeah. you're in a small office. And when you are not there, things don't work. You need to be yeah. there. Your job also matters. Yeah. Um, and it matters if you get fired. Flat out. And, and, and to me, it's like one of those things can be um, – I'm worried my bosses will eventually get mad at me. So not necessarily they've given her a sign, but she's feeling anxiety. Yeah. And it's like, you, you, if you look at your partner and you say, and I don't know if you said this to your partner, but it's like, I'm feeling this anxiety. I want you to help me feel better mm -hmm. and feel safer and more secure. Like, And to feel like you value my career. Yeah. We have really established which one of us makes more money. I get it, honey. Like, yeah. we we have very clearly, like, build a chart of important job and less important job, and I know where I fall on that ranking. Yeah. But that does not mean that your job always comes first and mine is always an afterthought. Yeah. And here's the deal. The very fact that you are framing this as asking your husband to do more work, 
Like this bullshit is right up is there. Is this with a guy people. who says he babysits his kids? I was just gonna say, <laughs> Rachel took the words out of my mouth because that is like the bullshit to end all bullshit. Like here's the deal: if you two got divorced tomorrow and you had to hammer out a fifty-fifty custody agreement, I'm not saying that you should. I'm just saying if that happened, you would not be asking him to make sure that the children ate when they were there. He would have to do it because he wouldn't have a wife to do it for him. Yeah. He so, should be happy to step up to care for his family. Right. So so the fact that you're framing this right now as a request, like, honey, it'd be really nice, as if it would be something you would be grateful to him for doing, rather than the, an equal part of the work you two committed to do when you decided to have children together. Mm-hmm. This is not an ask. This is a requirement. This is like he's having his husband and father performance review, and he has been underperforming. Yeah. When you underperform at work, your boss does not gently request, hey, could you come in on time? I'd really appreciate it. Your boss says, I'm concerned about your timeliness, and if you don't step it up, there's going to be consequences. Yeah. Just And the question of fair is something you're using to try and justify your request outside of yourself. You're trying to say, is there some sort of objective measure of this much rather than, I need this. Yeah. I need this. And your needs and wants are sufficient. Right. Hi, it's me, your wife. I feel undervalued. I feel like you don't think my job matters. I feel like I take care of everything. And it, I imagine you can point to, here is how much I have done for like helping the kids manage their schedule in the last month. Mm-hmm. And here's what you're doing. And it's not even close to equitable. And I'm not saying that we have to, like, keep on each other's asses every day, making sure it's exactly 50-50. But you are not doing your part. And when you point to your schedule and you show me your meetings, even though I know that your bosses are okay with you taking time off, what I hear is, you are my wife. You're kind of my employee. And I'm going to delegate stuff to you. And when you tell me that that doesn't work and when you tell me that makes you feel undervalued, I kind of don't care. And I got to tell you, man, that's not what I want out of a marriage. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the other thing. Like, oh, your schedule? So your work meeting is more important than your children. Your work oh, meeting so good, is more Rachel. important than your marriage. Yeah. Just play Cat's Cradle real loud. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> well, and frankly, and just even say, like, I, I do not want to get into, like, a dick measuring contra- contest of whose schedule is bigger. Yeah. I, I just don't. Um, I, 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 here's what I need from you. I need you to step it up 35%. That's how much more of, like, the child care I need you to take on. Yeah. Let's find a way to make that work. It's going to look different. You are not going to get all the stuff that you want. It is not going to look like the last couple of years have looked. You are not going to feel, like, the way that you used to feel. Yeah. And I just need you to know that that's fine. Because the way that you were feeling like everything was running smoothly before came at the expense of my feeling like a valued it was member of a partnership. for you. Yeah. And I don't want that anymore. Because here's here's what I think you don't want, letter writer. I don't think you want this to keep happening, where at every opportunity, your own husband mommy tracks you and says, well, you already spend more time at home. Why don't you just switch to part-time? You know, now that you're oh. part-time, why don't you just do all this other shit so that 10 years from now, you can't even stand to look the guy in the face because all you feel like you are to him yeah. is a chauffeur, a maid, a cook, and a servant. Yeah. Um, And to just say, like, that's not what I want for our marriage. Because, man, oh, man, if we go down that road, it's not going to end well. Hi, Roger. Yeah. Hi, Roger. Make him listen to the damn Roger letter. Not that he's going to have a mistress and not introduce the kids to him. I don't want to get, you know, too hyperbolic here. But, like, he is creating an environment 
that is so dependent on you making yourself smaller at every opportunity. And that's not to suggest that taking care of children is less important than working for a paycheck. But where he defaults to, I get what I want and you do whatever it is you have to do to make sure our family life continues to run smoothly yeah. because I'm just going to pretend like it doesn't exist. Well, this thing, he's busier. Sorry, who's who's taking time out to take care of the kids? That's that's busy. Yeah. That that counts. Like it's it's not only work busy counts. Yeah. And it's just like uh, I I just don't buy that. He's busy because he chooses not to prioritize your family life. Yep. He could do it. He is capable of doing it. Yeah. And, and he's you know, choosing not to. The other thing is like you know, okay, some of these are scheduled and some of these are emergent. Right. Take both, man. Right. Like schedule them. Schedule you have a schedule. Yeah. You put things on the calendar, put it on your calendar. You yeah. you can schedule things. Yep. And to Ugh. just say, like, here's the deal. I get it. Nobody goes into work hoping that the basement is gonna flood and they're gonna have to rearrange their schedule. Neither of us delight in doing that. Sometimes it's gonna happen. And I need at least half the time for that to be on you. Yep. And you're not gonna like it. Guess what, man? I don't like it either. Nobody yeah. likes it. But that's part of what having a personal life and a family life necessitates. Mm -hmm. And if our kid gets sick, it's really important that we don't send a message that that's mom's job. Mm -hmm. Dad's just here to bring home money. Yep. Daddy gets home and sits back with a scotch and, you know, mom makes dinner yeah. every night. We don't want that to be the message that your kids get. And frankly, like, your husband, I'm sure he's a good guy. I'm sure he doesn't want to be Roger. But... The way that he just assumes you are happy to sacrifice your own life in order to make sure his runs more smoothly. It's just like, man, there's a lot of contempt in that. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of contempt in that. And there's a lot of, why do I need my wife's life to be smaller than mine? Yeah. What is it about me that cannot see her as an equal partner with an equal right to make demands on my time the way that I make demands on hers? Well, listeners, if nothing else, I hope that I have convinced at least two or three of you to uh, say no to something today. You know, just Seriously say no do. to something. It's empowering. Even if someone just asks, like, what's the time? Just say no. No, that's that's actually not appropriate. That's a misuse of your time. But just say no to something today, please. Um, push back. Take five minutes uh, for yourself today. Please. Absolutely. Um, unless you are Roger, in which case, do not take five minutes for yourself. No. You I never do not give you permission again, to do this. If someone asks you for the time, you have to give it to them. Roger, <laughs> you're on my shit list. <laughs> Rachel, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much. It's been fun. This was delightful. And I'm so glad that you came. And thank you for all your wonderful notes. I hope we get to have you back on the show sometime. Awesome. It'll be fun. Awesome. All right. Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Audrey Dilling. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash dearprudence to subscribe. If you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327. And you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location. And at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds. A minute tops. If you're looking for more to listen to from Slate, why not check out If Then, a podcast about technology, society, and power. Every week, Slate's April Glazer and Willa Ramis take you on a lively tour of the tech news that actually matters, from fake news in your Facebook feed, to the algorithms that want your job, to the Uber drivers who want a job with benefits. Subscribe to If Then wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> 